0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Turned Out of Punk Super Show. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend, too, Chris O'Toole. And we are joined by our very special guest, uh, the, the, the Pittsburgh uh, Oracle, Dave Martin, for this very special Pittsburgh Week edition of the show. How you doing, guys?
1: So I'm doing okay. Oracle <laughs> seems a lot to live up to. I'm, I'm, now I'm worried.
0: <laughs> well, you know, buddy, you're you're my gateway to this world of Pittsburgh that I'm like, uh, you know, looking into, and you're responsible for getting uh, John Daly on the show. So thank you very much for your assist on booking that. Oh well, that was, there was nothing. Well, nothing. It was something on my end, my friend. It was definitely yeah. something on my end. Uh, we are going to be talking today about. The town that birthed yourself and John Daly and our next guest Jamie, um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, one of my favorite places to play. Uh, Chris, have you you've made you've made it out to Pittsburgh? I'm I'm sure.
2: (laughs) Yes, multiple times. It's a fair question, but yes, very. I, I enjoy Pittsburgh as well. Yes,
0: I always forget how close it is to us. Like relatively speaking it's like yeah i mean especially if you could go in a straight line it's like super close yeah yeah
2: unfortunately water closer close well it's i don't have that water in my way yeah so um well i do to a degree i guess but i'm more direct than dame is but um yeah but yeah pittsburgh is uh i enjoy it i mean i haven't been in a few years now i would say but every time i go i have a i have a good time I
0: I haven't been in a few years myself. I think the last time I was there, uh probably last time fucked the up play there, which was a long time ago now. I think about it, but <laughs> a great food city. I always really enjoy eating there. And as we've established in past episodes, a great city for punk rock, of course. um you know, like people from Pittsburgh, big bands are from Pittsburgh. It's like a city that really is responsible for birthing, um, you know, some of the the bigger bands that kind of come out of punk rock, like that have crossed over, like, you know, obviously anti-flag and most recently code orange who were nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. So I was not
2: aware of that until you mentioned that to me, but yeah, that's wild.
0: Yeah. I tell you, it's like a city that does big things. Andy Warhol. You know, like it's got some names from there. Dave Martin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, those two normally just go right right into
1: each other right there.
0: You both moved to New York, right? So I think, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I,
1: that's why I did it too. I was like, if it's good enough for Andy, I'm there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we have a, uh, a lot to get to today. Uh, John Daly, uh, I think, opened a lot of doors for us through his fear of punk rock to talk about uh, a diverse range, a wide range of subjects. Uh, but let's dive on in. Uh, first of all, Dave, how familiar were you with his brother Austin's band?
1: Almost totally unaware in the sense that, like, what is it, Cryptic Alliance? Yeah, Cryptic Alliance. Like, I was at some of their shows, zero memory. I <laughs> And... <laughs> And then, and, and I would say the same goes for Hard On Gang. Like, I probably saw them only once or twice. At that time, I was a little, like, I was moving out, like, not going to many hardcore shows. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit, how it gets into, like, the, you know, like, the Electric Banana versus other venues. Mm-hmm. But by the time Hard On Gang were around, like, the Banana, there weren't really shows there anymore. Um and those so shows had moved to other venues and I, I was so occupied with other shows that I, I didn't go to a lot of those like you know the punker shows. I was probably going to more like early indie rock shows or noise rock or whatever you know so so I, I definitely saw
0: them, but
1: zero memory.
0: <laughs> It's funny, because, like, you know, I, you won't, you don't think about Pittsburgh as having this, like, massive scene, but it has, like, so many kind of big scenes, right? Like, there's that, like, he, and he gets into it, like, the Don Caballero scene, how little crossover it had with Austin.
1: Well, ye- yeah, I mean, it's funny, because, you know, like, at that time, like, you know, there was, like, I don't know, it was just a, you know, like, in any scene, it's weird, like, there was a real break, like you know, when Damon Che quit Half-Life, you know, it that was like and and like so Damon Che was in like this four piece version of Half-Life that's sort of like in the middle of their era. And it was it was Damon and and Vince Curtis and Mike Lavella and Jeff Lamb. And th- like that is definitely my favorite era. Um and so, but when Damon quit and Vince quit, it's like kind of really marks uh, a real dividing line. Um, because not long after that, Mike Lavella then moved uh, to San Francisco and he was replaced in Half Life, which he was fine with, but he was replaced in Half Life. And it was definitely like Half Life was his band, like, you know. Um, And, uh, you know, just sort of like things kind of splintered then and people went in various directions and, you know, um, like I was definitely much more interested in like, you know, the touch and go, uh, or discord, uh, access of, of things rather than like, you, you know, like, you know, more like, like I didn't have much interest in, in any of like the early youth crew stuff, you, you know, like, like even like, like youth of today, I was like, huh, kind of over it, you know? And I remember seeing like, you know, when uniform choice played, I thought they were awful, you know, things like that, which, you know, now like, you know, obviously people younger than me are like, what are you talking about? But yeah, I was just <laughs> like, I was like, I called bullshit on it right then. You <laughs> what know, what are
0: you talking about, Dave?
1: Exactly. <laughs> It was just. I was just like, "This is not for me," you know.
0: It, it, so would like would like uh, hard on gang have played with like submachine type bands? Yeah, you
1: know. I mean, if you look at like hard on gang are on a few comps, and they're definitely like they were playing probably with with submachine and you know Doom Watch and Necrosidia and all that sort of stuff. And like I knew a lot of those folks. um, And, and I really like some of those bands and I probably like some of those bands more now than, than even then, Mm -hmm. you know, um, obviously like without, you know, the passage of time and, and like the, you know, like without the burden of like a social scene to be involved in, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I can, I can enjoy the bands just on the merits of the music and,
0: and everything.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, no, I get that. I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah, yeah definitely. I find myself coming around to bands that I never thought I'd like, um, <laughs> as I'm more and more removed from them in the time. Um, th- th- I got to say, though, that Necrocity LP, you were probably not listening to it when it dropped on Wreckage, but my gosh, Dave, you got to oh, pick that no. thing up.
1: <laughs> no, I totally heard it when it came out. I, I think I even owned it. Um, as I told you guys earlier, um, uh, you know, I definitely owned the first single. And, and that copy that I got was actually my
0: second copy. Um, so. I find the the records, the singles are okay, but this LP is just like crushing. Yeah. It's pretty relentless. Yeah. Yeah. Like the opening track on it, um, is just rips. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Actually. I think I have it within reach suburban death machine. Yeah. That song's fucking killer. It's a great, yeah. like. (laughs) It's um it's it's amazing how much stuff is kind of happening in Pittsburgh cuz also at the same time as well I guess anti-flag is kind of part of the submachine scene when they form right? Yeah, totally. I mean, there was a whole sort of, you know, like a whole
1: bunch of young young people that were were doing stuff and and like there's there's some good, you know, like there are some really good comps like that one, the double single, the Pittsburgh punk um, you know, Pittsburgh Punk isn't dead, but it's burning up pretty quickly or whatever. Like, I forget whose house it was, but somebody's, like, house caught on fire. And uh, it was a reference to that. Um, but, yeah, th- there were all sorts of, you know, there were a bunch of bands and they were they were super active. Um, and, I you know, I sort of regret that I didn't pay more attention. But at the time, you know, I was also, like, like socially it just wasn't my bag anymore. Mm-hmm you know like there were a lot of cool people but there were also a lot of uncool people and to me it seems such a drag to try to like put up with the uncool people you know
0: were there any bands that crossed over from like the two scenes or no not really i guess um not
1: not that i'm thinking of right off the bat i don't know um i mean there were but you know obviously it's not a big city so there were a ton of people that you know that knew each other and were friends and stuff like that. So I mean, like, you know, like the the dudes in Doomwatch, you know, who started as like a thrash metal band, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know where they, you know, where they ended up. Like, if you people would still consider them a metal band or what? But after the one main guy left and they switched, you know, like they definitely were not like a thrash metal band anymore,
0: you know. Yep, no, definitely. Um it's but uh, go on.
1: Oh, but then but Jeff from Doomwatch, the one guitar player, also joined Submachine. So, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of cross pollination on that end. But in terms of like, you know, the early indie rock or, or noise rock stuff, there wasn't as much. Like there weren't as many people, you know like hanging out in both scenes.
0: Yeah, no I get it. It's yeah. it's uh according to this um incredible electric ban- banana website which I've definitely been looking at a lot uh, ever since doing these uh interviews. Uh, uh there's according to this cryptic alliance played a show with the Rhythm Pigs and Under ID which uh Under ID or ID under, sorry, is a, a Chicago band that had a record on Underdog Records. Uh, I once again, a band I didn't think made it very much out of Chicago, but I guess they made it to Pittsburgh at least for one show. Uh, and then they also play with Postmortem as well. So, yeah, those Cryptic Alliance shows would have been sick, but once again, you probably were at those but don't remember them. <laughs> yeah, like no memory,
2: you know. <laughs> <laughs> when I looked it up to just now, just a cross reference, the only two that I'm finding at least on the electric banana website are just those two from 87.
0: Yeah. That's the only, that's the only real reference I could find to the band online. Um, uh, you know, the other one is with this band that I couldn't find any reference to online. Where's the other show that I found? Uh, Murat. Do you know uh,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the bands of the, Yeah, I don't I don't know the band, but yeah, I see it listed here.
0: I've never heard of that band in my fucking life. Also yeah, in 1987, Group Home played uh with the Meat Men at the Electric <laughs> Banana. Group Home are one of the most obscure Canadian hardcore bands. They have that 112 inch Yeah, when was that show? What what month? Uh that was in uh, May, May 31st. Oh, happy yeah. anniversary coming up. Weird. Yeah. I have no idea where I was. Um, School of Violence, Group Home, and Half-Life were the openers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I wasn't there. Maybe I was uh, out of town or something.
2: Um, it's funny you picked that show out, though, Dave. I almost just brought that up. I, I love like going through this. Randomly. Go, yeah. The other funny thing is they played on the 31st, and the Meat Men also played on the 13th of the same month in the same yeah.
1: year. See, I think there are some things, yeah, that's not correct as well. Like it's, it's. I think that's like somebody transposed and then they left them both in there. You uh, know, okay. I don't think
0: they they definitely didn't play twice in the same month.
2: Yeah, um, it seems weird to me.
0: Yeah, well, unless they uh, had a routing date and they're just like, well, let's go back. We had such a great time. Let's go back to Pittsburgh. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah. I'm th- what I'm thinking is like, so I would have been at, in college then and if it was the 13th of May like i could have still been away i don't know if it's the 31st it's also a holiday weekend so maybe i was somewhere else i don't know huh. yeah or, or like close to labor day or where whatever memorial day whatever that
0: the the one you that guys I... say, you
1: guys are like i don't know we're we're not even <laughs> aware. I was like,
0: I was like, the one that's amazing on here for me is that sonic youth and steve stiletto uh, played a show together
1: I was away at school and somewhere I can't find, I've been looking for them for, for years, but uh, a good friend of mine who's a photographer took some photos from that show and, uh, really amazing photos. And I just haven't been able to find them for years. Oh, uh, so. uh,
0: photos also of Steve Stiletto. No, just of Sonic Youth. Oh. <laughs> yeah. well, I would love to see the Steve Stiletto. No, that,
2: that would have been you, Dame. Only photos of Steve Stiletto. <laughs> no, I would have yeah.
0: gotten you both. You like, yeah,
1: some other band played.
0: I
2: would have gotten both.
0: Are <laughs> yeah. you kidding me? Sonic Youth got me into this shit. I would have gotten both, but I definitely would not have skipped out on getting some Steve Stiletto photos, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Maybe he has them. Maybe he didn't send them to me.
0: Yeah. He's like, how could you not no. send the photos of uh, KML rec- Records recording artists, uh, <laughs> authors of Smell the Sock? the most misogynist (laughs) sexist album cover I've ever seen in my fucking life. (laughs) Holy shit. Like just that playing with Sonic Youth is like, there's no way these two bands were, were hanging out. Yeah. I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Like, you know, I can't, I can't see them having a lot in common. You know, I would ask him about maggot sandwich though. Uh, I I really would be interested in finding out about that band. (laughs) Yeah.
2: No, not You're anymore. missing too that Sonic Youth plays back to back days. The next day was Scratch Acid, the Rhythm Pigs, and Half Life.
0: Uh, they're not. I don't have them on mine. It's just Rhythm Pigs, Scratch Acid, and and Half Life on mine.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, but I mean Sonic Youth the day prior.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. The next day is crazy too.
2: So eighty-seven in Pittsburgh was was wild there, Dave, it seems Yeah, no, I
1: missed those because um, I was I was away at school.
0: Yeah. Were, yeah. were you at the uh, in June the uh, DRI <laughs> Half Life show? <laughs>
1: um, I think so. I mean, I saw DRI at the Electric Banana like I want to say three times, maybe only two. But the the, the super killer one was the DRI C O C show.
0: That was just bananas. Was well, that before eighty seven though, right? Bananas. Yes, it was. What about this, like, uh, like, how big is this venue? Um, it probably, you know, realistically could hold, like,
1: 200, maybe 250. Um, but at times, you know, probably over 300 people were in there. It varied, okay. you know, depending on the show. Like, it wasn't very big. The other thing is, like, is in, in, maybe lots of people know this, but it's like on this hillside. And so you would walk in you, there was like this tunnel that you would walk down and you want walk in and, and it was, it was incredibly dark in there and the walls had this like carpeting on them or something that at one point was probably, probably looked cool. Um, And, but like once you got about five feet into the actual building, like you were on like suspended over this hillside, and there's just like these, you know, like steel grid of like holding it up. But if you were like to go around uh, around the block and you would look up, you'd be like, "Oh man, that doesn't look good at all." <laughs> like you're gonna put three hundred kids <laughs> jumping all over each other, uh, like on that, like that shit's <laughs> just gonna fall off someday. <laughs> um, but still has never done that so so oh, nice it's good nice. is it still there yeah I oh obviously yeah, it's not a yeah. Club, obviously but what is it now no no um Johnny and Judy uh opened an Italian restaurant with their real last name Zara and it's just called Zara's um huh. and yeah next time you're there you know as you said it's a real food town you c- you could just go uh, eat at Zara's
0: i definitely will like there's probably like uh some like Cool uh, flyers in the bathroom, still or something. <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we yeah, uh, like
2: definitely definitely ask your server how many times they've seen Hard on Gang. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Excuse me. Um, where where would have Hard on Gang have played if they had played here? <laughs> yeah.
2: Where was the stage that year?
0: Where you? was the stage yeah. that point? Yeah, uh, eighty seven. There's also been I wanted to ask you about. Uh, were you at the my dad is dead show um i don't think so
1: do you know anything like, about that band cuz i have their lp oh yeah what yeah was- yeah I, I, um so it it's just, it started as just one guy mark edwards um you know and so he would make the he made this record himself with a drum machine and so like originally it was like oh it's kind of like big black or something but um you know obviously mark Uh, it's a lot it wasn't as like nihilistic as Albini or anything Um, and just super weird cool records and um, but I did see them a bunch after that Um, I think you know like the other thing is a lot of those shows were over 21 Mm -hmm. you know so like you know there would just be like not only did they seem like non-punk shows, but they were also like, and you couldn't go.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I I really dig. I only have the peace, love and murder record, but I had no idea they were also on Homestead and like,
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Went on there. To... And then like,
1: eventually he sort of fleshed it out and like had a whole band. Um, but yeah, I would recommend almost every, my dad is dead record. They're all great. I, I, I mean, the early ones have a certain, charm to them but like the later the two scat records chopping down the family tree and um out of sight out of mind i just uh, i
0: love those records only did a prison shake split too oh yeah
1: yeah and there was a there was a whole tour that was like um guided by voices prison shake and i think my dad is dead it was like a whole scat tour and Um, I want to say that I think Noah Lager was in, uh, maybe in prison shake for that tour, something weird. Um, you know, or yeah, I, but Noah Lager was on the tour. I'm pretty sure he was in prison shake for that tour or whatever, you know, and uh, obviously Noah comes up pretty early on in the episode Mm -hmm. as he
0: should. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Damn. Mm
0: -hmm. It all it all connects back. Yes, yes it does. Um, unless, unless you're going to ask me
1: about specific memories and then I'm like, yeah, I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or specific bands featuring John Daly's brother other than Hurl, I guess. And and, yes, well, I guess Matt's bands you're more familiar with than, than Austin. Yeah, definitely. Like, so yeah, like I,
1: I don't ever remember having a conversation with Austin. Like, and I'm assuming that he looks just like Matt and John who look like they could be twins, but I, I, I don't really know. Maybe he doesn't you know, Uh, so, uh, but did you
0: watch a grassy Dave?
1: No, no, I was out doing shit by the time that was on TV. (laughs) Oh,
0: you missed out my friend. I guess so. Yeah. You got a lot of catching up to do on, (laughs) on Canada's greatest export. There's a song Dave, and I'm telling you for your, for your, uh, other, uh, life in, in the music industry, you know, now that, uh, there is a release of, of a of much celebrated uh, turned out a punk uh, band on the horizon, obscure Canadian band. The next thing that has to come out is a Zit Remedy reissue. Could happen. You never know. Have you ever so. heard that Zit Remedy song? No, I've only heard you rave about it, dude. You got to listen to it. It is honestly the greatest Flying Nun Records song, not from Flying Nun. <laughs> yeah, I know, but sometimes you build stuff up so much that like I don't want to <laughs> ruin it.
1: Oops, you know, sorry. like your excitement and enthusiasm about it is maybe better than
0: it could ever be. It makes Tally Ho <laughs> sound like it's by Dragon Force in
2: comparison. <laughs> like it is
0: <laughs> that <laughs> level of charm to it.
2: He's building it up a lot, but it is very good and very okay. good. Okay. Okay. That should be the Canadian national
0: anthem, Chris, now that I think about it.
2: Hey, I'll tell I'm with you. I'm Everybody okay with
0: wants that. something that yep. never gives up.
2: Yeah. How More we, importantly, they'll take your money as a song in it. So that seems like a perfect national anthem.
0: Take your money and never <laughs> give up. Yeah. And then it'd be like, that'd be like, I would, I would stand and belt out that national anthem at the, you know, the, from the bottom of my lungs, top of my lungs, somewhere in my lungs, it would be coming out.
2: And I have a, I have a minor tangent here to throw in. Go on. I'm looking, I, I, just started perusing the Scat catalog.
0: Yes, uh,
2: as Dave mentioned it in reference to who were we discussing when we got on that prison shake. My dad's and, dead. My Dad stuff. is dead. That's right. In prison yeah. shake and all that. Um, but I, had, I was just looking like, okay, whatever I heard on here, whatever, whatever. One of the things that I'm noticing is like they reissued the mice stuff. Yes. And as you brought up, Damien, that song. I think the mice would have done an incredible version of that very song we're discussing.
0: Yeah, the Mice are probably the like, you know, like the the best underground kept secret of uh the Scat Records catalog.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a bummer that like yeah, you know, I, I from what I understand Bill Fox is like he's really like it's hard to get him to commit to you know like things like oh, let's just do a straight, you know, like do a reissue and he's pretty erratic and everything. Um, but the fact that those Mice records haven't been reissued on vinyl is a huge stumbling block, you know? Yeah. So
0: it's, um, it's, they're so good. Like, it's crazy when you hear them for the first time, you're like, how is this band not talked about in the same breath that people talk about? Like bands like the replacements or the wipers or like, well, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, I guess the fact that Bill
1: never really was able to like come back and, 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 play in front of people with any real consistency Mm -hmm. and but at the same time and this is awful like he's not dead um and he still lives in cleveland and you can you know like and they'll occasionally put out a record and they're pretty great if you like his his later solo stuff you know and so there's just like there's not enough payoff in the sense of like People, I think, always wanted there to be an amazing story Mm -hmm. because there's so much like, you know, I guess like he, you know, like they were supposed to go to Europe or something. And he was like, yeah, I'm not going like I'm done, you know, or like just kind of like, you know, like never showed up or like disappeared or something and then never went. And then the band kind of just broke up. Mm hmm. Some It's some crazy story like that. And, you know, so there's that amazing stuff, but there's never any sort of real redemption part of it. So I don't know. But yeah. people
0: are missing out. Yeah, I agree. What's a Bill Fox solo single like? I gotta try and track that
1: down. Oh, they're great. I mean, it's definitely more like Dylan, you know, kind of folk rocky. Um, but the, the record that Scat reissued on vinyl... Um, I think it's perfect. It's so good. Um, the record came out like, um, you know, a few different times and each time it was slightly different. And the scat version is like a double LP sort of definitive edition. And if I'm remembering correctly, both songs of the single are on it. I can't, I don't know. I don't have
0: it in front of me though. I think it's just like, it's weird. It's like stuff from all over the releases. If I remember correctly. Yeah, it's so. funny how like Scat and Saint or Scat and Saint Valentine's records like they must be connected, right? Because they well, no, um, I mean no, I, I they were I, I, you know I forget
1: who did Saint Valentine's, but Scat was just Robert Griffin, still is, um, and you know, so you know, and he just started putting out records he liked, you know.
0: He's got a great so. ear, man. Like the Scat catalog oh. is wild when you go through it. It is wild, man, wild. <laughs> like Sockeye and
2: <laughs> oh, some good yeah. bands
0: on there. All right. Uh, well, Okay, Dave, I want to ask you this. What's the deal with B-1000 uh, and, like, all the weird, like, Matador logos being crossed off, some of them and all that stuff? Um, <laughs> I think, okay, so, um...
1: So B Thousand how'd we get to Cleveland? I thought we were supposed to be in Pittsburgh.
0: We got scat <laughs> records, you know? We got you um, You know I, footnotes,
1: yeah. you know how yeah. we go on this thing. <laughs> so well actually and then of course, you know, Dayton as well. But um uh so Matador put B Thousand out in Europe. Okay. And so it might have been a case of like having extra print or something or extra copies that then came into America, but Robert didn't want the Matador logo on them or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but I, I know what you're talking about. I, I, I used to have some copies like that
0: where the Matador logo was just like somebody took a Sharpie and, and crossed it all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, that so. explains it there. That makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, what a great label. Okay. We did we did digress a little bit. We should be talking yes. about um um some Pittsburgh records like the Made in Pittsburgh compilations and stuff like that. Yeah. Which uh, uh, do you have all those Dave? Do you keep those? No, I don't have them. You know,
1: most of them were like they're all CD only and so I was just like you know, like whatever. <laughs> I, I they could possibly be in a box somewhere because it's not like they were Things that you could, like, you, that you would get any money for getting rid of. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, but I don't, uh, like, they're not on a shelf or anything downstairs. It's the, like, as far as I know, I don't have them. But there are boxes that I haven't looked through in ages.
0: That's some of the hardest stuff to ever, like, replace. Is the stuff that's, like, not really worth anything? Oh, yeah, because then where are you going to find it? Yeah. Like, you know, that's the new
1: Goodwill score. Yeah. You know, like
0: yeah well also like some of these bands that like you know were never collected like the the scene that they were from was just like not about you know tracking stuff down uh in that kind of way or holding on to things in that kind of way like i'm finding that now trying to find some of this like epifat local epifat punk stuff that i i covet to <laughs> hold on to my childhood so uh dearly some of that stuff's like impossible to find just because like oh sure you know it's not yeah. like a twelve thousand dollar record or anything no, no,
1: it's a you know a c d comp that came out you know that most people have probably actually thrown away, yeah, you know
2: they've nailed it it's there's no because there's no commodity in it really it's that's what's that's the disservice it gets, and for people like you and I or i uh, I suppose everyone may be chatting right now that's that's kind of my bread and butter with lately when I dig is to try and find those like. What would be dollar to ten dollar records that to me are more scarce than like, you know, a three hundred press thousand dollar record.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like you could always like there records like that. Like if you had enough money right now, you could get any minor threat record you wanted. You know, and yeah, and, oh that, yeah, like minus yeah, the clear, pressing. yeah, like yeah, like maybe maybe not like the clear sleeve or something like that for the first single, but like you could for enough money you can get all that stuff. There's some records that like. For love or money, you cannot find like there's certain demo tapes that, if you lose them, you're never going to get them again. Like no one held on to them. Oh yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. Uh, Flash Cats probably have the most records ever put out, right? <laughs> <It's> been- <laughs>
1: Um I would say they have the most records that I have
0: flipped through in
1: hopes of getting past it to a record that I wanted.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking through the bogus records catalog and it is incredible how many records the Flashcats have yeah. on here. Yeah. I
1: mean that was just like, you know, the, to me that might have it was like I don't know who goes to see them like people who are like 35 You know, it just see it was like impossible. Like I knew they weren't as old as my parents, but like (laughs) it just seemed so, you know, whatever. (laughs) Did that connect at all to the punk scene? Well, I mean, to a certain extent, like if you were to like, so, you know, the record store that I ended up working at Jim's Records was like the first punk store in Pittsburgh. And so, but, you know, like Jim knew all of those people and like, and Jim was in, like, he was in the Hornets and he put out like your beloved Hank band single and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so, so he definitely like kind of had a foot in that world that was more like bar Rocky, you know, like maybe in, in their wildest dreams they felt they were like, you know pub rock you know and like a lot of those people probably would have been like you know fully conversant in ducks deluxe in dr feel good like you know like they would they were down with all of that stuff and so like they were definitely kind of on an underground tip but to me at the time it just seemed like they were just impossibly old and
0: boring (laughs) Cause there's also that public records that put out.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah. No, that was Jim Spitz and from Jim's records.
0: Okay. That's public his, records. okay. And Cause yep. they, they, that's where the five record comes out on. Yes. And that's yeah. where the, yeah. The Hank band, amazing first single, like not, you might be confusing it, Dave, with their second single from 82. No,
1: I know. I know.
0: <laughs> the
1: best is like at one time, uh, like uh, there were just so many still at Jim's and like, it was just like, yeah, the record's fine. I don't know. They only like, did
0: 300 of them. So I, I now I know
1: that was like his magic number for most of his records.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why that it, shit's like, so hard to find, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: you know, and obviously, you know, over the years, um, like who doesn't think this, but like, I think at one time I had almost 10 copies of dress up as natives. Um, you know, but now I just have one, which, you know, so, but I was very loose with them. I was like, oh, you like that record? It's great here, you know?
0: So. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of weird records and obscure records and big money records. Um, like, like, just because there's just not a lot of them and they don't show up. Yeah. Um, at all. What about Dancer I'll Kill You by. R- <laughs> Rigel. Rigel. Um
1: it's a it's certainly weird. I don't know if there's any sort of scene that could like you know claim that record really. It's such a weird record. I mean, I would say anybody who's just like, you know, into like cracked sounds might want to like track it down. It's it's definitely weird, but I don't know if it's like deeply weird.
2: Yeah, <laughs> there so. is a live clip also. If you're on the resource, anybody listening, <laughs> there's a live clip associated with that, and the band is spelled R Y J E L. Yeah. So yeah.
1: But that that record, in fact, since it's not deeply weird, like it, you can still find it relatively easy. I think.
0: Yeah, it's, it doesn't seem like it goes for a lot of money. That's the thing about this yeah. wild, but this label is like you look at something. You know, like the five single and how much money that that would go for versus the uh, the less weird stuff, less punk stuff on that label, and it's a yeah. massive discrepancy, obviously. And in, in yeah, value. I mean, the big money records are
1: still really just just um, the five and dress up as natives.
0: No, Eddie and the Otters is now like a two hundred dollar plus Oh, record. yeah, that's
1: yeah. Th- I don't know. There's got to be some correction. That's that's some sort of two power pop freaks like you know <laughs> just i i don't understand i mean it's not a bad record but to me like that's just weird like two dudes who you know who are like i gotta have it all drove that price up <laughs> well the hank band
0: single's not even on the cogs buddy yeah it's not just you there. man so obscure you know, yeah. that's, 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 uh, we're going to, we're going to lead that comeback, Dave. We're going to get this thing reissued. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris, do you have anything you want to get to?
2: Um, I did have something I, I lost, uh, I'm lost in your conversation with, with Dave here. I'm looking everything up, the things I don't know. Um, but there was something I did want to mention. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, keeping it Pittsburgh, but relating back to the electric banana really quickly, um, it so happens that the website also, at the very end of its, you know, whatever years, as it's showing, the group that played there the most, according to what is listed here, is the Cynics at 100 appearances between 84 and 95. That probably makes sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, top of the list. Yeah. Yeah. I, like oddly, I was, I was pleased to see it was them. I thought, well, who yeah. played there a lot? But yeah.
1: I mean they are probably the band that i've seen more than any other band in my life yeah um i think i've only seen them at the electric banana once
2: (laughs) so 99 shows you missed yeah yeah
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah.
2: who do you think think number two is if you guys aren't cheating who do you think number two is
0: uh half um hector in paris
2: uh, Damien's actually correct. It was Half-Life, apparently. Oh, okay. Um, pass five, me the big O
0: sandwich, buddy. Or French fries. Five riser.
2: less appearances. 95. You, you appearances. know they
0: closed, right? They did? Yeah, for good. Oh, that, I yeah. got to say, that that hot dog there was good. The fries were not so hot. <laughs> 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 not to speak ill of the dead. Um. <laughs> who knows
1: maybe they'll come back like the dead often do in Pittsburgh but supposedly it's for good
0: that that was a wild fun place to go after you played a show in Pittsburgh
1: yeah it was Um, you know I I mean I definitely took it for granted and had haven't been there in years and years Um, you know and uh, I think all criticisms are probably valid and all praise also
0: valid
2: Pizza you know, was not so hot and, too.
0: I gotta say, but,
1: but I can't. I can't even imagine that anyone even ever had
0: it. Fucked up, did? Fucked up, definitely yeah. did the pizza one time. <sighs> that is that. Uh, it I, was selected. I can't even. It it got selected as one of the best hot dogs in America by the New York Times. Oh sure, you know. Um, have you ever seen the hot dog show
1: that that uh, is like on PBS? I don't know what right. it was. You know. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, so, you know, well, like, so Americans watching Degrassi on PBS would then maybe also see the hot dog show, which was made by uh, <laughs> made by uh, a, a Pittsburgh legend named Rick Seaback. And he went all over the U.S. Um, trying hot dogs. And um, so, of course, the, the O is in there. And so it's always gotten a lot of press, um, you know, because of that. This was on your and, PBS. You know, yeah.
2: Incredible.
1: Well, <laughs> so like he, you know obviously you know how it works like so you know they all make you know if you if you have it together you make a show for your own, your local um public station and then you then they try to like get other other PBS affiliates across the nation to show it. And you know and then everyone's like yeah, I love hot dogs. Let's let's watch that. <laughs>
0: Huh. Damn, you know, like yeah. here, here he is cracking on our show and we're teaching kids about, you know, the dangers of unprotected sex. And you guys are teaching kids about hot dogs on your. Exactly. We're doing <laughs> the
2: important work. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, back to our guest at hand that I guess has brought us to Pittsburgh apart from Dave, even that sounds like a perfect skit for John Daly to, uh, oh my to God, make a yeah. great mimic of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be, uh, an incredible character for him to do. <laughs> uh have you seen the wheels across ontario sketches either of you no
2: i very much have. i know what you're talking oh, about holy it's on shit. so you didn't preface it on the interview but that's on kroll show for people who don't know yeah is where where it appeared uh i don't know what season i, I think i say kroll, kroll
0: show eventually but no, i'm the top. confused about this kroll show is, yeah. who is
1: it it's nick kroll
2: nick kroll yeah is the, the is he any
1: of... relation to
2: the musician who is it, uh, Mike Kroll, who's on Merge or whatever? No,
1: I don't think oh, they're related. I know no, Mike no, Kroll. It's
2: spelled differently, I think.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Um, I can double check. But yeah, I don't, well, I've never heard that he was, but, or that they were related, but I don't believe it's spelled the same. I just got to double check. I think, but yeah. Nick, Nick Kroll's
0: related to, like, some, like, Hollywood people. Yeah,
2: right? he's like yeah, someone he's famous some as a
0: kid or something.
2: Yeah. <sighs> uh i can't i don't know i don't i could look it up right now but yeah it's something to do with with an industry but he's a talented guy but it's a sketch show um that john daly was a part of the ensemble cast and john had this wonderful sketch called was it wheels across ontario was the title
0: uh yeah wheels across ontario
2: yeah and it was a it was a a, like a massive and well done lift of like Degrassi uh, mainly Degrassi. It had a bit of nods to some other like kind of classic late eighties, early nineties, Canadiana um, teen drama type stuff. It was great, but uh, it was really well done. That was kind of funny to hear his insight on why, you know, how that was done and how he was so into Degrassi, to be honest. Um, yeah. Not that I want to go on that too hard, but yeah, it hit,
0: <laughs> it hit hard home. I'm sorry, it hit hit hard. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just. I found Jules Kroll. Nick Kroll's father is not a Hollywood person. He is someone who sold. That's his, what it
1: says on Wikipedia.
0: Yeah, it said he sold his company, Kroll Bond Rating Agency, uh, in uh, 2004 to Marsh and McLennan for 1.9 billion dollars.
2: Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's. I did know that it was someone of of money. I don't know why I associated that with Hollywood, but okay. Again, I don't know. For me, this doesn't take away how talented Nick is. No, no, not at all. He's
0: one of the funniest dudes in the world. But I did want to say, to stress, that it's not Hollywood money. It's just money, money.
2: Yeah, I'm confusing him with another comedian or whatever that does come from a Hollywood. Well, I'm sure there are a bunch. But in, in Nick's generation, it's what I was thinking in my head incorrectly. But... um. Yeah, it's, I don't know, that show is very good, that sketch is very good, I I can only assume that it's probably been uh, put online in some capacity, that you can look up that sketch specifically, and I recommend people do it, it's very funny. More funny, though, if you know the original, so Dave Martin, you need to brush yeah, up on the Yeah, I've got so report. much work
1: ahead of me, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's
0: like you, you really owe it to yourself to watch The Next Generation, um, because that's also where you'll get to see drake come up buddy
1: which um, yeah uh, it's amazing did, that I through it, my then. incredible fandom i haven't uh <laughs> gone that far back yet but well, yeah, yeah one day i'll get there you need so
2: do you know dave that i'm just thinking of this now because it gets brought up in the interview by dame too um did you do you not do you know who spike is even even to like know what spike looked like as the character no oh wow! i don't, oh, okay. I don't think Whoa. so because yeah. that that like to canadiana is like I don't know, that's a very, it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, like an American comparison to that, but it's a very, very defined, you know, it's atypical punk look of a, of a young lady on television, but it's like, yeah, I never thought of that, that maybe people don't know who Spike is, even aesthetically. Well,
0: because she was a punk, right? Like, that wasn't them giving her yeah, a yeah. look, like, that was the thing about Degrassi that makes it, you know, when he yeah. talks about how poorly acted it was, it was because it was being acted by non-actors. Yeah. Um, oh, but it was, I, I I love it so much. It's
2: per, it's perfectly poorly acted though. It's not, that's not yeah. a slight nope. in my world.
0: Nope. It yeah. feels, it feels like, like weirdly real in the way it's acted too, because it is like, it's not people acting. It's just like kids just saying their lines. Um, yeah. I'm not really selling it, am I? <laughs> sort of great uh, yeah, I
2: have a, a music related question I want to ask Dave really quick though here. Well, we have a Pittsburgh expert on. I'm hoping you have some insight. I'm trying to find because on this appearance list of the Electric Banana, the third highest is this band ATS. Yeah, I don't. I can't find anything by them. What is? What's the story there? Do you know that band?
1: Yeah, um, you know, uh, so I worked with uh, like the main guy in ATS for a while. Um, not really my thing, but you know, yeah. they were definitely more sort of like kind of just, like, not even indie rock, like, closer to, like, you know, like, early, like, I don't want to say, like, the anti-folk scene, because I don't think they were, they weren't, like, a part of that, but they were just, you know, they were, they were, you know, like, college-aged people that were into, like, all sorts of stuff. They were pretty open, like, they were definitely still, you know, like, probably very much into like Dylan and the Grateful Dead at that time before that was like a cool thing to do. Um, and, um you know, and, and like, you know, but also into like folk music and stuff. Yeah. yeah. They're just, um, you know, but they, they played a lot. I, I, I don't know how many shows they ever played outside of Pittsburgh, but they played all the time.
2: Yeah. Like there, I just thought, based on the other two groups that were you've mentioned that them being third might've been an interesting tidbit there. Obviously it doesn't seem to be quite sonically in what we're looking at, but
1: yeah, um, no, it was definitely, but, but they were all like, like the nicest people. So
2: also I just realized in my sleuthing, as you were talking, they have a band camp that's active. Yes, they do. Yeah. It's called atspgh.bandcamp.com. Yes. So I'm going to check that out later. yeah Yeah. in case anyone's curious i just was i just thought it was this like uh any group that's kind of playing a place that much i would assume was like at least people around town that people knew if not oh definitely yeah i mean you know i mean
1: like you said like the flash cats like those they were like old people but like (laughs) ats like they were people that you know you were like oh that's like your older brother or sister you know yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah (laughs) It's kind of funny, like what Canadian culture gets crossed over into America and like where it's brought up. Like, you know, like, uh, we're, you know, we were talking about obviously earlier about Degrassi, but like just the comedy stuff and like how certain people you talk to, SCTV was like a big part of their comedic life. And then you talk to other people and they're like, oh, that's kind of a deep cut thing I got into later. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't want to, um, are you recording? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) Check, (laughs) one, two, one, two? Like, I don't, like, you know, obviously John would have been really young at this uh, point, but, you know, how he was like, oh yeah, I didn't really pay attention to SCTV until, like, after college. Yeah. Well, you know, I I mean, but at the same time, like, he, you know, as, like, you know, was adjacent to that whole Don Cavallaro scene, and it wasn't, I mean, it it's to us it seems super blatant like every you know there were so many like the obviously the the band name is the name an yeah i've just thought yeah. about that <laughs> but but damon would like he would come on stage dressed as guy caballero you know in a wheel, wheelchair uh at a lot of early don cab shows and wow. so like Yeah, there were like super blatant SCTV references. And, you know, and then but maybe only if you hung out with Damon, like would would it get like even heavier? But Damon was always like a huge proponent and would be like, oh, dude, we have to watch every season, Mm -hmm. you know, like and so it's it's it would struck me as funny. But obviously, you know, he's much younger and so like probably
0: had other things to worry about and very little access to it. Well, from the sounds of it, he was probably wasted at those parties and just didn't remember when they were watching this <laughs> Well,
1: that that too, you know, that sort of like, you know, being young and also like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to keep up with these dudes, you know. And then, yeah. Yeah. And not. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I possibly could have been at that party as well. Not sure. You know. Um,
2: yeah, I don't know. So I wasn't, for some reason, I never placed those two things together. I, I remember SCTV, obviously, but I never thought of that in the same context for some reason. I'm just, I'm amazed that Don Cab were essentially SCTV super fans that named their band after that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, Damon was. Well, and,
2: whatever. that yeah. you
1: know, And then, like, you know, so of the original three members, uh, Damon definitely was. And probably um, Pat Morris probably was just by his... You know, uh, proximity to Damon, and oh. uh, and I have no idea about Mike Banfield. Was probably like, was oh, funny." <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, no. I mean, he could he could actually be like, "Oh no, it's totally amazing." I I don't know his actual opinion of it. So, but yeah, for Damon, it was like a huge part of his life. Like he Another... was legit obsessed with it.
2: <laughs> Another quick DomCab thing i'm looking up on the electric banana again it doesn't appear that they played there
1: no i don't think they would have no by that point like we were like oh no we're never going back there like we finally have a place to play that where they're not pulling guns on on us you know like not <laughs> us but like i know, you know what you mean. yeah 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 but no i mean to this day i know a lot of people who unfortunately had very bad experiences there Gotcha. You know, okay. like especially like people that I know not from Pittsburgh, like in touring bands and stuff. Oh, and and so no, no matter how you want to shake it, I mean, I am not gonna, you know, fetishize that place or romanticize it. Like once we had a place that we had more control over, we were out. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, so
2: my I, my outsider question there was just more or less like. Seeing that they haven't played here in this place, ran till ninety nine. So what? What is the other home you're referring to? I guess.
1: Oh, so it, like he touches on it in the episode there. You know, like so for me, the banana really ends like in eighty nine. I don't remember ever setting foot in it after that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But even that was super late. Like I remember being like, man, it's really weird that I'm going to you know the banana. Like I think the last the last two things I saw there were maybe um, I saw Manor Astroman astro man there. And then this I is saw like
2: early nineties, I'm guessing.
1: No, it would have been 89. I think.
2: Oh, really? Like, okay.
1: Yeah. And then I saw, I saw the American soul spiders and super snaz there. And yeah, those are the last two shows I remember being at the banana for. Huh? Yeah.
2: So, so what, um, did you notice like, a. uh, uh... Like was there like a significant splinter in the scene because of that or you just think it was a natural progression elsewhere? Well,
1: I mean, I think it was natural, but it was also it was really like once that, you know, like kids who started going there and then other people once like they kind of got old enough to like figure out how to put on shows themselves and find other legitimate places to have them there was a real push to be like, we're not going back there. Like, you know, we have more control of the money. We have more control of the atmosphere. Like it was really like, there's no need to like subject yourself to any of, of the many trappings of the banana that were not great.
2: Gotcha. Okay. I gotcha. Uh, You're painting a, see, this is why you, you are a significant, uh, uh, person in the in the family of this (laughs) program because you paint these really really good pictures of eras that I missed and areas that I'm not I obviously I didn't grow up in Pittsburgh nor did Dame but you know it's to hear it in sort of spoken vividly like we could Dame could tell you stories about Toronto and if you wanted to hear boring ones about Niagara Falls I could bore you to death but um but yeah it's it's very interesting to hear that I don't uh, you know, I just have no experience with it, so it's cool to hear. From yeah, you.
1: I, you know, and and obviously not everything that you know, like you know, like to trade Johnny Banana for Manny Thiner, some people would be like, "Give me Johnny Banana," um, <laughs> but you, you know, I mean, at least with Manny, like that sort of like, you know, the real danger aspect is not there. Gotcha. You know? and people might be like yeah that's what i'm talking about you know like maybe that's what you know people are like why you know but yeah no to us at the time it seemed like we could have these shows where you know we could still see all the bands we wanted to see and nobody felt like that they were in danger or that you know we were going to put the bands that we really liked in some sort of weird position when it time came time to get paid or whatever
2: yeah exactly no, that makes total sense, especially given that like you know when, when it's your home area, that's a bigger uh bigger concern because you're dealing with that bullshit every day of the year rather than someone who's just coming in for a show here and there.
0: yeah I think in the no effects book they have an electric banana story oh yeah
2: that
1: well the um, it's one of the uh, I guess the first video um where they get into the shaving cream fight with subculture. Yeah, that that show was at the Electric Banana.
0: Yeah, that's what I was just seeing that on the yeah. on the Electric Banana exhaustive resource. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: so yeah, that um, and that was a great show. Um,
0: you know, uh, so that was with Scared Straight 2, That tour, I think, right? No, 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 no. But before that, like in parts of the U.S., I think they did a tour with the three bands. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, yeah, they might have, but by the time. Yeah, that was just it was it was I'm not even sure who the opener was. Maybe it'll tell you on that website. Nope. Some, no l- opener listed. Yeah. So uh, and there weren't many people there. Um but uh like the first time No Effects played, they played in Half-Life's basement on Chesterfield Street. Um and uh so like I don't know if it was like a last minute thing or what, but like yeah, they didn't even like they didn't even get a banana show, which makes me think it must have been so last minute that that for whatever reason, maybe the banana had a show that night or whatever. Because, as you know, Half-Life being the the band that played there the second most <laughs> could usually get a show at the banana if they wanted. So.
0: Yeah. Damn. Well, yeah. Uh, so, uh, go on
1: well um so yeah but like and and john talks about it like so post banana there were there were all these other venues and they were like um like the he mentions the beehive and the upstage and they were both they were both sort of like a block from each other right in the heart of oakland which is essentially you know in the middle of the university of pittsburgh's campus um and then like carnegie mellon university is just up the street you know a, a half mile or whatever and so like those venues like the uh the beehive was like a coffee house movie theater um but they would have bands um usually bands played upstairs like in the coffee house part that was like you know it was a big room but you know not you know probably held like 150 people or something um and then occasionally they would have shows in the actual theater um and the upstage was a weird venue that was like also probably around that two hundred to you know maybe three hundred capacity mark but it was it was like a cool venue that like they did all sorts of shows for a while, and they were you know like I, tons of tons of bands like that's where I saw poison idea that you know like. And, and that's Kings um, and Monk or later, oh no, later, later. So it would have been like
2: Feel the Darkness,
1: mm, like just after that, but before, but pre epitaph.
2: Like, okay, yeah, I yeah. think,
1: like, you know, like World Time, maybe what is then? that uh, cassette single that they um put out that was like um, Plastic Bomb as a tape, yeah, yeah, like as a cassette. I think I bought that at that show you know
2: so this is like like mid 90s 91?
1: no probably, yeah like 91 or something yeah okay,
2: and that must gotcha.
0: have been the tour they came up to toronto on and played the sibeny with uh, uh what do they call Flight camp
2: yeah that sounds about right i'm, I'm way off the there. japanese
0: I'm... band by any chance age,
1: remember ashes <sighs> ashes no i certainly don't remember anybody but poison idea
2: okay you know understandable yeah.
1: <laughs> so but so yeah like those venues like those were definitely where a lot of people found themselves and even like you know like the younger hardcore kids you know like the whole like the, the battered citizens crew and all that sort of stuff they were doing a ton of shows at the upstage and stuff like that as well so like there, you know and i and like at that point like i wasn't going to all those shows but but i knew they were happening And so, you know, oh, and it's also, you know, it's funny, like um, later on you bring up um, Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller. It should be noted that (laughs) the singer of Battered Citizens, Brian Brick, Mm -hmm. um, his post Battered Citizens band was called Time Bomb, which then after that band kind of petered out, he opened Time Bomb the store, which is like a fashion store, like hip hop fashion or some shit. But he <laughs> has kind of been like, you know, um, he's been down with all of the Pittsburgh hip-hop folks through that store and all that sort of stuff and is still still a dude who's tirelessly like working up, you know, still out there like doing his thing.
0: Batter Citizens so. had a sick graph logo. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. They're that, uh, they were doing streetwear back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, you know, sun, it's like sun battered citizens it's like all one line you know it is with with Wiz khalifa in there too yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, i mean he could be under that robe too you don't know
0: no I th- uh, we <laughs> do we are now connecting uh brotherhood to uh, mac miller we have like yeah. we complete a circle like that's what we do on turn of punk you know the foo fighters uh, now
1: well also i should i have a, i have a don cab story so so mac miller's first real hit that blue slide park song mm-hmm. that was a park that was like close to like our how, our apartments and stuff in squirrel hill and one night i was hanging out with damon and we were just hanging out in that park we had nowhere else to go or something i don't know and and i remember him saying oh man i i know what i'm going to call my next band and i was like what's that he's like tom caballero and i was like oh that's nuts and there you go right wow. there in Blue Slide Park, which you we didn't should call see Blue Slide like, Park.
2: What what this shows, though, Dave, is that history should have been changed because you should have immediately said, "Well, Johnny LaRue is a way better band name." And, then, <laughs> yeah. and they, would, they would now be known as Johnny LaRue instead of Don Cavalero. But yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. that's
0: for, my Chris,
2: SCTV joke for the night.
0: Chris, can you check out the Battered Citizens tape on Mind Cure Records?
2: Uh yes. You want me to look it up? Yeah, look,
0: I want right you to look, look at the layout.
2: Battered citizens from mind cure.
0: For the, the original tape layout, where you can see both, because I think this is like perfectly defines your aesthetic. It's like a rap <laughs> dude fighting with a cop on the cover, and then a skinhead <laughs> yeah. dude, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right there. Yeah.
1: So, um, but also, you know, um, you know that band Killer of Sheep. No. Uh, Oh, I do not know that. No. They're like a modern hardcore band from Pittsburgh, but Oyo, Oyo Ellis from Battered Citizens is the guitar player in Killer of Sheep.
2: Oh, you gotta take yeah. killer of sheep then. That's wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so speaking of this, uh there was something I wanted to touch on though that you guys just talked about. What were we talking about? You got to Mind Cure. Yes, that is my aesthetic. There's something you just said in the lead up there. <laughs> yes, Back that, that is my aesthetic. I made the bad SCTV joke, but it was also kind of cool. Uh, I can't remember. I've lost my transcript. Oh,
0: the Brotherhood connection.
2: Yeah, you were going on that. Where were you going with that Brotherhood no. to Mac Miller?
0: Uh, well, because Brotherhood uh, was on Overkill Records, Overkill Records 002. O two. Yeah,
1: and, and, oh, okay. and who put out the Battered Citizen single?
0: Yeah, and that's Ron from Brotherhood's label. The uh, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, the much. I was lauded... trying to
2: see. I was trying to see the long path that Damien takes to connect things. <laughs> That's a Better. pretty
0: short one. I can do that one in three moves.
2: <laughs> yeah, three pretty. I
0: don't think it's that big. To, I don't,
2: I'm like, long. okay,
0: maybe, maybe Mac Miller hanging out at the dude from Battleston's store might be a stretch. Um, oh, I got, I got to hit you guys to the new game Six Degrees of Gigi Allen.
2: Okay. So you
0: deep. take any two people and then you have to try and connect them to Gigi Allen in six moves. And it doesn't necessarily so you, have to be playing in Gigi Allen's band, but, like, there has to be some sort of, like, thing that can connect them to Gigi Allen.
2: So it's like the the classic Kevin Bacon game. You're just substituting out Kevin Bacon for Gigi Allen.
0: Yeah, for, like, a real American hero. <laughs> <laughs> for a real artist.
2: So hold on. So are you then saying, like, the association can be as thin as well, Pat Oswalt talks about Gigi Allen on a comedy special, so therefore no,
0: you have to have like uh, some sort of connection to someone that had like some sort of actual contact with Gigi Allen, right? Like, I would accept like um, Jerry Springer. I would accept the Jerry Springer stuff. Yeah, hundred yeah, no, percent.
2: Geraldo, whatever one it was, I can't remember. Uh, it's yet.
0: Geraldo, right? Springer okay. was also.
2: Well, you might have done both. I can't remember, but
0: anyway, we got to check this out because this might this is a big one that will affect the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <you know. laughs> Because if it's Geraldo, like you can connect Geraldo to all these Fox News personalities and you can connect them to anyone, like in government, like Putin, Putin you can connect them to Putin, G.G. Yeah. Allen to Putin, G.G. Allen on Geraldo, Geraldo connects to Hannity, Hannity connects to Donald Trump, Donald Trump connects to Putin. So there we go. Six degrees of yeah. G.G. <laughs> Allen.
2: There you go. Boom. <laughs> I thought you were trying to just do it in a musical sense where it's like I'm going to try and connect Taylor Swift to Gigi Allen or something.
0: Uh okay, let's go. Let's try and do that one now. So <laughs> Taylor Swift's early songwriting partner was the guys from Jeff the Bro- or the brothers from Jeff the Brotherhood's dad, right? So Okay. Jeff the Brotherhood um uh was the backing band on um Insane Clown Posse's record um, when the Insane Clown Posse cut a record for Jack White's label. Okay, so now I've got Insane Clown Posse in play. Uh, Insane Clown Posse (laughs) wrestled in the WWE and WCW. I
2: don't think you have it. I think I might be able to do it better than you.
0: Okay, let's hear yours. Do yours.
2: Taylor Swift, Kanye West, Callie DeWitt, and then I'm sure someone from Callie DeWitt. I just can't think of who could connect to Gigi. You can think of this dame better than me, probably.
0: Um, uh, I could get someone it. from, oh,
2: Courtney Love. Courtney Love. G- she can actually know. I think you're thinking Al Duce. No, but this well, has got to touch Gigi somewhere. Come on, man.
1: So wait, Callie must, um, I, I, I don't know. Is Callie DeWitt down with Jamascus? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, I assume. I, I want to if- say yes. I don't know for sure though.
0: Okay. Well, yes, I can do it right. then easier then because I'm sure Jay connects to fucking third man in some way.
1: Uh, well, sure. I mean, dinosaur junior have a single on third man.
2: Boom. There we go. We yeah, did it. Yeah, so we, we did it. You were going the way long way, but I didn't know I did,
0: yeah. no, I did it through that too. I'm going to say Jeff, the brotherhood, uh Connects to insane clown posse. Connects.
2: to You just wanted to include insane
0: clown. Posse. I want to include insane clown posse. But it's a fun so, game. I think this this was going catch on.
2: No, yeah. it's not bad. I, I, you know, what if listeners want to send in their scenarios of six degrees of Gigi Allen, please do. Yeah, like and I'll, how do, you, how do Joy, you do you do you connect? Oh, I Gigi? guess you, Jay Mascus. Yeah, you're right in there. Jay Mascus. Like, you, yeah. Yeah, Dave. Or, yeah, or
0: Gerard. Or Joe oh, yeah. Falco. Like,
2: you're like two degrees of Gigi Allen.
0: Yeah, we're really close. Me and Gigi are like <laughs> kissing cousins. Or or Jonah Falco to Thurston Moore. To... I've
2: got another, I've got another one. Previous guest, uh Simon Doom buying tapes off Merle. Gigi Dunn.
0: There we go. And also we yeah. can connect through my friend Joey Cape uh quitting his job over cleaning up Gigi Allen's shit. <laughs>
2: Again, yeah. that's a second callback. We talked about this pre going on, but that's a great episode. <laughs> this is
0: one of the yeah. best. It's like it's like. People it's a gotta hit.
2: That is a serious that one that's the one of the, the most low-key hitters in the whole Turnitin' punk catalog. People got to go back and listen to that seriously.
0: That episode's like a dwarf song. It's like 3 minutes of just pure power.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's very very well said. 3 minutes, that's a whole record for the
0: Dwarfs. Well, it's actually a 30-minute podcast, but yeah. like 3 minutes in terms of Turnout of punk time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, like I think this Gigi <clears throat> Allen thing is like, uh, this is my, when I go back on the road, this is how I'm going to entertain myself, <laughs> just connecting people to Gigi Allen, just sitting there in like the, in the back of the car, like, and I will get that connection to insane clown posse. Yeah. Um,
1: I was, I was back to the episode.
0: Uh, yeah. I will say I have very
1: different memories of that Lollapalooza.
2: Um, Which one is he talking about? The one with the Hurl played? Yeah, yeah. What year was that? Do you remember?
1: I want to say it's ninety. Like, was it the first one or was it no? no maybe the second or third. I, I don't. I I don't know. I want to say ninety three or four. Okay, um, I'm gonna
2: look it up now. I brought out Chili Peppers, right? Played.
1: Yeah, and Ministry,
2: right? Oh yeah, it and, would be the Ministry year. That that's probably the second year. Yeah.
1: So it could even, yeah. Well,
2: we'll but, see here. I'm just looking at lineups. But okay, go on.
1: But yeah, no, I, I watched none of those bands. Um, I I remember I watched Hurl, and then I watched uh, Carl Hendricks played and Carl Hendricks Trio played, and. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. Um,
2: I think maybe you were also at the Booyah Tribe set. Would be my guess, Dave. Possibly. Um,
1: <laughs> but like. Uh, I, I watched very little on the main stage. And I remember, I, I can't remember which Steve Shelley band played. Like, I don't, it seems too early for it to be $2 guitar, but maybe it was like that band Mosquito that he had with Jed Fair or something. It was, but I remember, I distinctly remember having a conversation with Steve Shelley that day, but he was also playing on the second stage.
2: Yeah. So there's, this was 92. Okay. Um, on the main stage, the, the big well, obviously, Red Hot Chili Peppers Ministry, Ice Cube Sound Garden, but for us, the big hitter would be Jesus and Mary Chain. Uh, and Pearl Lush. And, and Lush, exactly. I was just about to say Lush, Pearl Jam, Sandwich in between, but
0: Members of um, Skin.
2: <laughs> true. <laughs> um, and of course, the classic Jim Rose Circus sideshow on the side stage as well. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. That was. Oh, boy. The uh, '90s, Luscious Jackson. Yeah, yeah Luscious. Um, it's a cool lineup. I wish I went to this. I yeah, I to went
1: to this. I I, rem- I kind of remember seeing a little bit of Luscious Jackson, but I don't really remember it. Mm. More just like I, can- I have like a picture of them on the stage, but no memory of them playing any of the songs.
0: I bet you watched yeah. uh, seaweed.
1: I think I did, but at the time I was also a little over seaweed. I was like. That's people like, sort of really romanticized that band but i was always underwhelmed by them i really
2: love the record that came out that year that's like yeah four. I I think four came
1: out. but uh you know like i had already seen you know like like they had played there was that the threes company tour uh one of the, like the first super chunk tours it was like super chunk seaweed yes. and
2: yes I want to mm-hmm. say like
0: tsunami or something.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's talked about on the Laura. interview. Laura mm-hmm. interview. Yeah. That's right, Dave. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know it's crazy. A fifth column played the '93 uh, Lollapalooza on the side stage. That must have been just been the Toronto date, I would imagine, right?
2: I was. Yeah, think. I wonder. I'm seeing here, though, Dave. You might be. Did you go to multiple years? I'm assuming.
1: The only like the year that. Um, it was like Dinosaur Jr. was on the main stage and like... Uh, yeah,
2: so that's 93, and that's that's the yeah. year that Carl Hendricks' trio played.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Huh. So, sorry, I'm wrong. The year they played, he's misremembering it, because Hurl is listed on 93, which is not the year the Chili Peppers Ministry played. That year was Dino and Fishbone and Primus. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's...
1: Wait, maybe... No, like, I, I want to say, did Dino do it more than
2: once? No, I don't think right. so. Dino so definitely aren't on the 92 year. More Where are you are yeah. on only on the
1: I'm not seeing Hurl at all. Would they be Hurl, listed if they, they, they just
0: played one, like, you know, a, a one, oh, yeah, they, one they slot? Yeah. Okay.
2: yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. That's, that's what I was saying about Fifth stage. Column.
0: There's no way Fifth Column played more than two.
2: Girls Against Boys, Thurston Moore is on the side stage, Carl Hendricks trio, Hurl, the Goats. There's a bunch. Uh, da, 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 raw Trucks.
0: Jenna Torturers played on. The
2: David <laughs> Dame brings up the classics. <laughs> Yo. Yo, more importantly, combustible Edison. What's up? I would have been to that one. Um, yeah, fifth column. That's a strange.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And Verve. And Redman. <laughs> Sabado. This is like, yeah. Wild. And the funniest part is again it's funny to see the main stage acts as opposed to what becomes huge. Like the year before Rage Against the Machine and Tool are side stage acts, the following year their main stage. Yeah. Then like (laughs) like like seeing like again the year wise, like Fishbone, Arrested Development, Primus, Dino, okay, that's all big, George Clinton. But Babes in Toyland, who I love, but they weren't, you know, they don't get big really. They're certainly not as big as some of the, the the side stage groups later. Um Maybe that year, maybe they are bigger, but...
1: Yeah, no, I mean, at that point, you know, they were kind of, like, going from strength to strength, you know, like... Yeah. And, um, you know, they were just, like, they were so active at that Mm -hmm. point, Yeah, you know? So...
2: I just can't believe Lester's Jackson played the side stage both those years, apparently. Assuming this is a correct entry, but they played it 92 and
1: 93.
0: Yeah, I, I mean...
2: I didn't think like a lot of bands did multiple years back to back for that tour, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I, I have no memory. So yeah.
0: Damn. 95 had a weird side stage too. Yeah. I only really remember uh-huh. Mike Watt, but like dirty three was there. The roots. Blond, oh, I had uh, the zeros. That must've been one show. Yeah. must've been like just San Diego, uh, super Chunk, Moby, Patty Smith. Incredibly Strange Wrestling. There you go. Boom. <laughs>
2: Knew we'd get yeah. there, dude. Uh, and,
0: then, and then it went to shit. 96 is such a fall-off year. Oh, it's so bad.
2: So bad. Except so. for Ramones, that was probably the... No, it wasn't the last time I could have seen them. It was close, though. Yeah. I remember this. I remember being like, ah, oh, do I go for the Ramones? It's like, no, nah, everything else kind of sucks.
0: And then they came back with White Zombie.
2: And they came back with White Zombie, another not great tour. And then it was like, that was it such a bummer
0: violent fans were a surprise band in toronto which is definitely better than you could have done because like well diva was a surprise band in some places but the tea party were a surprise band in others. so oh man we <laughs> Dave, do, okay. do you
2: get that reference is that no. Austin? yeah oh. that's like a canadian radio rock wannabe yeah. doors garbage it's so Oof. bad
0: so bad it's like yep. it's brutal
2: and that's a complete insult to the Doors. Me saying that they sound nothing like the Doors, but just clearly, <laughs> it's a very uh, Jim Morrison archetype front person. You know what I mean? Yeah, want to want to be Jim Morrison archetype.
0: If you look at like Canadian music, uh, um, you know, like that gets out of Canada, it's really like some of the best stuff. Like the stuff that doesn't get out. Like, oh my God, Dave. There's like, you know, let me tell you, you will you will be clutching hard onto your Lund records. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard Len, have you heard of Len's early records by the way Dave no when they were like a shoegaze good. band and Brendan Canning was in the band and stuff
2: it's good it's awesome yeah. yeah really good Yeah, it's it's light years away from Steal My Sunshine for sure
0: which still fucking that's like one of the best Canadian hits of all time
2: I don't like yeah like I, I'm I have PTSD from it because of living through it but it as a As a song, it doesn't bother me like a lot of things nowadays. So I don't look back too poorly on it.
0: Yeah, like I'm like saying like, you know, that, the Zit Remedy song
2: (laughs) and, uh, you know,
0: some song by Drake. Like That's really, really all you need.
1: (laughs) It sounds like you need to put this comp out. (laughs)
0: I do. I, I I actually, uh, I helped curate some comps, uh, back when I was a kid. That was my first, uh, foray in the music industry. I helped curate a comp called absolute nineties and a comp called big shiny tunes.
2: There you go. Really? Yeah. Are you talking? how? Uh,
0: my economics teacher in high school, his best (laughs) friend was the lawyer for, uh, MCA universal.
1: And so, wait, is this the same teacher that took you to
0: dinner with Johnny Ramone? Johnny Different Ramone? teacher. Totally different oh. teacher.
1: Oh. What school did you go to?
0: I yeah, know, really. But these guys were like, <laughs> believe me, these were just like random friends that they had that had no relation to the school. They were just like teachers with side hustles that had, like one owned a movie poster store, and that's how he knew Johnny Ramone. And this one just was friends with this guy who was a lawyer at MCA Universal. And the lawyer was the guy who was in charge of curating the comp, right? And he came to me and he's like, what do you think of these bands? And one of them was a a Dinosaur Jr. live cut. And that's the only unreleased song. And I believe me, that was the one that I was really in favor of. When I say I helped curate them, I wasn't like... You know, going out and listening to bands, you know, like they, they sent me them and got me to make notes <laughs> on the track listing and largely ignored my notes because there were some bands that I, you know. <laughs> King Missile, Detachable Penis, though, I did did really enjoy that song and that remained on the comp. Nice. I can't remember something I didn't like that wasn't on the comp. I, I You know what? I haven't looked at it in years. Do you still have a copy? I think I might have. No, I don't even know if I do. Let's see how much they go for on the on the old machine. Big Shiny <laughs> oh. Tunes. Dave, yeah, like it.
2: these are like really uh, of the era, these were like advertised every <laughs> I don't know, seemingly 20 minutes on like our version of, of, of uh, MTV here, Much Music. Yeah, so this is a like, big deal. Like to hear him say that just now, I was like, what? <laughs> like, it wasn't what no, was not it called, the Absolute bit. 90s? The first one, I can't remember the names, I just remember Big Shiny Tunes was definitely advertised everywhere, and then the what I don't know what the other
0: one, yeah, 96. Was. It came right. out in Canada, so yeah. it had Elastica, Stone yeah, Roses, yeah. Weezer, there. Flaming Lips, King mm. Missile with Detachable Penis. Nice, um, which might be the last, they were Canadian, right? No, no. no,
1: they're from New York City.
0: Oh, Are they really? Ronnergy yeah. Records put out their record over here bizarre
1: no yeah they were on shimmy disc originally and then even ended up
0: on
2: atlantic or some major label yeah yeah they did have a major that's nice shimmy Uh, disc shout out by the way good
1: i ran i ran into um i was in san francisco a while back i ran into uh the one guy from the that was not john s hall like chris zephos or whatever Mm -hmm. it's a nice guy yes Hmm.
0: Okay, well, we learned something new. I, I was thought because they had a raw energy record that they must be the only non no toe tag was also on raw energy, but you know, you know who was on raw energy Dave, who five fucking knuckle chuckle motherfucker <laughs> man,
1: what it <is>, uh, <laughs> like if you were to compile a list sort of like that electric banana list like the bands that come up the most
2: on the show yeah on the show they. Uh, just, it's they gotta beat, be yeah.
1: number one, you'd think, right?
2: Uh, five knuckle chuckle. AFI.
1: I mean, um, but it would well at least like in like that top ten wherever I'm sure they would fall, it would be it would you would think like this band was huge and that like at, you know, <laughs> like if you were to walk outside now, you would see somebody but, wearing a five knuckle chuckle
0: shirt. Am I shoehorning this into the conversation, Dave? No, here it is coming up organically. You're the one. Well, actually, I brought King Missile. <laughs> you completely shoehorned it. <laughs> could, so I'm going so to give you a commemorative
1: five-knuckle chuckle shoehorn.
0: I, yeah. have, I, have some, I have some five-knuckle chuckle merch, so that would be very much appreciated. That I can add to the collection. You know who does appreciate the five-knuckle chuckle stuff? Professional wrestler Edge. That's right. They connect to a WWE Hall of Fame.
2: wow is he he on the patreon
0: uh uh no unfortunately (laughs) not (laughs) (laughs)
1: still like if we should get back on track a little bit and i just wanted to say like so hurl which so so um matt daly who you know is in between austin and john so he was an original member of hurl and i think he what he said that um matt uh and the other matt in hurl matt jensek started playing together when they were 13 or something Mm -hmm. um so i first met them when they would come into the record store i worked at Uh, um and they had this drummer that was like he was very loud um and sort of just like he's one of those like if he wasn't like a young kid you would be like "Uh, i don't like that guy but he would, you know, just say like dumb, stupid shit, uh, too loud all the time or something. Um, so we were kind of like, oh, what's up with them? But they would come in pretty often and they would buy records. And so, you know, I definitely took notice of them as in like, you know, these are kids, you know, obviously from some suburb um, that you know are coming here and but buying kind of cool records and stuff. And then they're like, oh yeah, we have a band. <laughs> You know and so it was it was like you know and then we heard them and we were like wow and their band's pretty good um but i'm not quite sure when it happened or whatever but they ditched that drummer at a certain point and that's when they got noah Leger to join on drums and at that point noah had already he had like a teenage noise rock band called the northern Bushmen that like that were amazing um and they were, like, literally, like, they were kids who kind of, like, lied about their age uh so that they could hang out with, you know, like, older kids, you know, and we wouldn't, you know, if, like, we knew he was 13 or whatever, we would have been like, you need to go home, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but,
0: John. <laughs> like John.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, but, um, so Noah joined, and that's when Hurl really kind of started clicking, um, and those guys played, you know, like there's something like four hurl twelve inch records and a bunch of singles, and they're all good to great. And then at some point they got a second guitar player uh, who was another kid. I don't think he, I don't know if he was from Pittsburgh or just going to school in Pittsburgh. Uh, and then at some point they kind of petered out, uh, and that guitar player left, and they switched their name to Taking Pictures. And then they put out another, like a, another really good record, um, and then they kind of just ground to a halt, you know. And there's a second record that came out after they stopped being a functional band, but that second record is is really good. It's called Twenty One Thirteen, which is uh, a reference to one of the many punk houses that that John brings up. Oh, okay which was 2113 Murray Avenue in Squirrel Hill. And, uh, I was one of the original, uh, residents. Mm. And up until I want to say like 2013 or something, something like we would have moved in, I think in late 89, um, like September of 89, I think we moved in, uh, and up until like 2013 or 14 or something like that. I, always knew somebody who lived there you know like one of those places and like when when we moved in the rent was three hundred dollars for like a a ridiculously large place you know that it was like was like three bedroom but possibly a four
0: bedroom if somebody wanted a a small room you know so (laughs) Is it still cheap in Pittsburgh to get like houses cuz I remember at one point it was like incredible not like affordable. it used to be. I mean, you know, um you know like Polish Hill
1: was like the neighborhood uh that everyone was like living in and you could buy like I remember sort of joking like um girl talk uh Greg he bought a house in Polish Hill and <laughs> um I just remember like I think he was doing he did like he he did some new york shows and it was like they added a third show or something and i was joking with his tour manager i'm like oh it's like greg wants to pay off his house right now you know and he's like (laughs) yeah kind of but you know it was like you know that's when it was like it's like seventy thousand dollars for a house there and now that's you know that's not the case anymore and even braddock um which like i grew up not far from braddock but when i like it was like super like don't go there when i was growing up yeah like um and now it's it's still like a weird neighborhood because it's still kind of depressed um but like that there were like that was when they're like houses are ten thousand dollars but you know you you would obviously then have to put a lot of money into it but you could i mean if you wanted to live in braddock or some other neighborhood that's not like in the middle of pittsburgh you can still live pretty cheap but not, you know, nothing's like it used to be. Mm. Who knows yeah. what it'll be like next year, though. It's Very all, true. You know,
0: so. So I should still get my cottage in Pittsburgh like I've always wanted. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, uh, yeah, no, this, yeah. It, 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 I, I love going to the city. I love driving in. I love that. I love the feeling of hitting it and stuff. So, you know, any chance we, I can get to celebrate it, you know, I'm going to take it. Oh, me too. I miss
1: it. I miss it all the time,
0: you know, so. I think we should probably all get to bed because we've been talking about Pittsburgh for a very long time.
1: I know, but I can't wait to think about it some more as I listen to the Jamie from Code Orange episode.
0: Nice. This dropping very soon. Um, I just got to get Jamie to approve the edit. (laughs) Okay. It's a hot edit, so we're going
1: (laughs) to... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's good because it's a whole nother, like a new world. And I'll probably know, you know, maybe 20, 30% of, of the people that he's talking about.
0: Maybe it's, it's going to be very interesting. I think when you hear it, Dave, because it does connect back to this stuff that we're talking about right now. In fact, the electric banana website we've been talking about this whole time is actually done by the guitarist of Code Orange's father.
1: That is just, that's mind boggling.
2: amazing
0: yeah that's why we do this show so we can connect every single person in pittsburgh eventually
2: (laughs) nice
0: yeah so and next time we're gonna get your thoughts on the movie deer hunter Uh, (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a fine movie i'm not really yeah i mean in terms of pittsburgh movies it's, it's certainly not in my top 10
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's not in the five local chuckle of movies or anything. No, no, not, not at all. Okay. And
2: so it's like Zach and Mary make a porno is number one, probably, or like around there? No, nah, you know. I mean <laughs>
1: y- y- I'm sure you could come up with the top three without
2: thinking too hard. <laughs> I was you just know. I was just joking. No, I know.
0: Uh, and yeah. I'm stumped. I'm trying to think of another Pittsburgh movie. What? There might I be think...
1: this this one director named
0: George Romero might have. Had oh little, yeah, you're right. You're right. Influence. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on yeah. that mall. I've been that mall.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Does yeah. It, they expressly they say that mall's in Pittsburgh in that movie.
1: Well, um, I don't know. Hmm. Gosh, it's been far too long since I've actually watched it. Um, I don't think. Like, I can't remember specific references, but like, there's, you know, I just. It it's hard, to, it's hard to say because like my whole life I grew up, you know, knowing, yeah you know, and so everything and like, and that is the mall I went to as a kid and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. And so like, it's, yeah, I'm not quite sure.
0: Because if they don't specifically say, then Toronto and Vancouver are able to claim a lot of movies.
1: Well, yeah. So, <laughs> but you know, that, um, Uh, George Romero's like the fourth zombie movie that he made was in that he was in Toronto, which has um, has Max from the Deadly Snakes uh, in a fantastic death scene.
0: Yep, (laughs) Max. And, and, you know, and uh, we could also do the same with Max uh, McCabe Locus, the uh, the G.G. Allen game, because we can just connect Max through his appearance in that movie to Pittsburgh, uh, his appearance in The Incredible (laughs) Hulk to Eric Bana.
1: Yeah, now there is what it's like, a, is there like, I've always heard there was like some made for TV movie in Canada where, where he's in it that he has to swim through like a bunch of shit or something. Is that true? He's in know, a lot
2: that of that movies. Yeah, lost, I he lost me on this. I don't know. Yeah. Max,
0: so. what was Max's, uh, does he have a different, no, it's McCabe Locus. No.
1: Yeah. Max McCabe Locus is his real name. Yeah, that's right. You that might was. know him from his rock and roll name, Age of Danger.
0: Yeah, that's, right. that's what I'm trying to think of. He goes by his name. <laughs> uh, I'm too tired to call up his IMDb. We'll save this yeah. for when we do a Toronto week. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, but gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, being on the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me as always. I'm here every week.
0: Yeah, I know, always. This is your show too, Chris. So. Yeah. Okay, we'll see you in five minutes when we've got to record the next episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>